you may be seated. Just a quick introduction. I'm Big Mac. I've been married to the brain for 32 years. I'm the subject of most of the books and the DVDs if you decide to buy any of them, the experiment. Actually, I feature in the male-female brain book. The kids used to observe me over lunchtime and say, that's a male thing or that's a female thing. So welcome all of you. We are honored to stand here before you. <coughs> we admire your pastors here for taking a leap of faith to invite us when all around cancellations are occurring in the world, but it speaks volumes of their care and their attitude to wanting to help you, because I think the church should be the community that has the light to help the people, especially at this time. So thank you both for inviting us. So welcome all of you. Are you all alive today? I mean, I heard wonderful. All right. Just reminds me of this pastor down the road. He took his dog to the vet and said, something's wrong with the dog. So the vet looked at the dog and said, that dog is dead. He says, how do you tell? He says, well, I've been practicing for many years. That's a dead dog. He says, I want a second opinion. He says, okay, it'll cost you 50 bucks. He says, I'll take it. So he whistles in the back. Out comes a Labrador and sniffs the dog. He opens the cupboard, pulls out a cat, holds it on top of the dog, puts the cat back in the cupboard and said, your dog is dead. He says, how do you know? He says, we just did a CAT scan and a lab report. That's a dead dog. Thank you. Uh, there is a special on the books today, a conference special. Good morning, everyone. Such an honor to be here, as Mac has said, and we're very excited to share this information with you. And I really want you to, rec to see today just the incredible power that God has given you. You know, we love saying that scripture that... I have a, that we have a love power and a sound mind. Well, if, any, if there was any time that we needed to understand that scripture, it's now. You do have a love power and a sound mind. And because your mind is love-driven, power-driven, and soundness-driven, it has the most incredible ability to control your body and your brain. So your mind is not your brain. Your mind is something separate from your brain, but works through your brain. And this is very important to understand this because people think as soon as you say mind, you think brain, and you think they're the same thing, but they're not. And there's such a tremendous message of hope in that alone because our mind is the thing that we renew. Our mind is where the thoughts are that we capture. Our mind is this thing that is filled with love and power, love in its design, power in its design, and its soundness in its design. It's something very, very strong, and it's you. It's the core of who you are. You happen to express your mind through your incredible brain and your body so your brain and your body are amazing they're tremendous gifts from god but your mind is not controlled by your brain your brain controls your mind now why is that so important because if the power resides in your mind and your mind has power over your brain and your body can you hear what i'm saying you have control over your brain and your body and this is a message that is not emphasized sufficiently and uh, in the churches nor in the general world out th basically the world out there and the reason i'm saying that it's not emphasized enough is because we live in a day and an age where we are told that we are our brain that your brain made you do it that it that your mind is coming out of your brain that there's so much focus on the physical that we've forgotten all about the spiritual. And what is the spiritual? That is the mind. The mind is the non-physical spiritual 
part of you. The very first slide that you're going to see coming up on the screen is a percentage breakdown of the spiritual mind versus the physical brain and body. Look at the difference. Your mind, which basically is your spirit and your soul, or your, we, we can, if you talk about, let me just quickly orientate you back in, in the scripture so that it, you have an anchor to understand this. I have studied the science of the spirit, soul, and body connection. As a scientist for 38 years, I've been researching the spirit-soul-body connection. So in science, we talk about that as the mind-brain connection. Okay? And I've been looking at how this thing works in, a, in many different ways. And I'm going to give you some results from my clinical trials today and give you some help with the, dealing with panic and fear and anxiety, etc. But let's first of all start with understanding that your mind is part of this spiritual nature. So when we talk about the mind being the 99%, I'm going to use mind in the sense of it encompassing spirit and soul. So mind... When I say mind, as a scientist, I'm talking about your spirit and your soul. Have you got that? And that's 99% of who you are. And the design of your mind is one of love, power, and soundness. Now, God is love. God is the source of everything. So, therefore, your design is based on love. From science, neuroscience, and quantum physics, we have tried to understand what love is. So we see that love in terms of the structure of the brain and the body is that there's a design in the brain and the body that is such that it is only designed for good stuff. So when we are toxic, when we are irritated or frustrated or angry or jealous or envious or bitter or unforgiving or any of those things, that actually causes brain damage. So you don't have circuitry in your brain for irritation or circuitry in your brain for worry or fear. You don't have circuitry in your brain for any of that toxic stuff. You only are wired for love. Now, people have won Nobel Prizes researching and showing that our body works in this very balanced way, our brain and our body collectively, which is the 1%, is designed to work in this very love-balanced design. So we are literally wired for love, but have to learn to fear. So fear is a learned response. Now you're always learning, 24-7 you're learning. You're learning right now, as you open your eyes in the morning you're learning. So what is learning? Learning is how you re respond with your mind to the events and circumstances of life. So you open your eyes in the morning and you grabbed your cell phone and you started reading the news about the coronavirus. What's the latest and the greatest? And immediately that is information that you think about and you get feelings and you make choices and then you read some more and there's more thinking, feeling, choosing and more thinking, feeling, choosing. So your mind, this 99% part of you, it, the action that it performs is thinking, feeling and choosing. So mind is thinking, feeling, and choosing. So when you think, you feel. When you think, you choose. Always in mind action. Your mind is always in action. Even when you're asleep. So you woke up this morning and your mind, you were conscious and aware of reading. And what you were reading, you were thinking and feeling and choosing. And as you think and feel and choose, you built a memory of that information. Because you were able to turn to your husband or wife or kids or whatever and say, oh, I just read. 
and you just read something about, so I'm just taking the coronavirus because that's everyone, all anyone is talking about that and toilet rolls at the moment. So I just wanted to use that example. But the fact is that you actually had to, in order to speak about it, you had to learn. In order to learn, you had to think, feel, and choose. So we use our mind to build a thought. And when we talk about building a thought, we are learning. So building a thought is building a memory. Thoughts and memories are the same thing. So the fact that we can talk now about the coronavirus means that we learned information about it. We used our mind, we read something, we thought, felt, and chose about what we read, we built a thought, which is a memory, and now we can talk about that thought. So it's in our mind and in our brain. With our mind, we build the stuff into our brain. You literally build it like you build a house with bricks. You build a thought with protein bricks. And you are taking your thinking, feeling, and choosing is the action that builds the physical structure of the thought inside of your brain. And thoughts have got a tree-like structure. We'll see a picture of that in a moment. Thoughts have got a tree-like structure, and that's why I use the imagery of trees on the stage. So you can build, use your love power, power, powerful mind, and sound mind to build healthy thoughts or toxic thoughts. You and, and that building process, so you're using your mind, your think, feel, choose to build, to build structure, physical structure in your brain. Those physical structures are thoughts, which are memories, same thing, and they are physical, they occupy physical space in your brain, and they are either healthy or toxic. And you do that, you make that choice, you choose what you build in your brain. Now, here's the next thing. Whatever you build in your brain becomes the roots of your words and your actions. So what you say and what you do is not some random event. What you say and what you do is the result of you using your powerful mind to make a structural change in your brain, which then is the root of your words and your actions, which then links us straight back to the scripture, as a man thinks in his heart, out of the abundance of the heart, I lay before you life and death, blessing and choose, uh, cursing, choose, so that you and your descendants may... Okay, so I can go on and on and on and on and on. Okay, but you get the point. You choose. You think as you think, you feel. As you think and feel, you choose. Those three go together in that order. You think, you feel, you choose, you build, which means you're learning. You are always learning. So if you think, feel, and choose toxic, you've learned fear. Okay, and when you learn fear, you break down your brain because you don't have wiring in your brain for fear. Now this makes a lot of sense logically because we are made in whose image? Okay, so what is God? If God is love, do you agree? Okay, so if we are made in God's image and God is love, we are made in love. So we see scientists saying those words, we are wired for love. Nobel Prize winning scientists say humans are wired for love. Okay, we see this throughout the research in quantum physics, which is the most fundamental and accurate of sciences. Okay, it's under, fundamental means it undergirds all the other sciences. It's considered the most accurate of sciences. So that science show is very, very spiritual. It talks about spiritual stuff. So quantum physics, the most accurate and fundamental of sciences, is talking about the most spiritual stuff, and it actually talks about love. And it says that we as humans are made of love and live in love. That sounds a lot like in him we live, move, and have our being. Okay, So we can link scripture and science all the time because they're the same thing, because it's the same author. God is the source of everything. 
Science comes from the word sclera. Sclera means knowledge. Where does knowledge come from? God. So science is simply explaining to us God's way of explaining to us how you work, how your brain works, how your body works, and how this world works, and everything in this world works. So science is a study of God's creation. So we should never think science is in opposition to scripture. If we do, that is a very silly statement, because then you're saying that God didn't create science, which is, which is knowledge. But then where does it come from? So they're not in opposition. Do you see what I'm saying? They're not in opposition. Sometimes we blind ourselves and we cripple ourselves by thinking that, oh, if I speak science, I'm not speaking God. Now, I sometimes get accused of this, where people will say, how can you be a scientist and believe in God? I say, how can you not? Because then if I say science isn't real, I'm saying God's world isn't real. God, not, God is not the source of knowledge. Who is then? Okay, so we have to just be careful of how we use words, how we use language, what is your discourse, what are you saying? We need to think more carefully about what we're saying. Okay, so that's just a little side note. So here, the big thing I want you to get first this morning is that you are not your brain. Your brain and your body collectively are 1% of who you are. Your mind is the 99%. Your mind is this spiritual, physical, spiritual non-physical part of you, and it is designed and wired in love and connected to love. God is the source. So quantum physics also explains to us that God is the source of all knowledge. That's what quantum physics tells us. I'm just giving you paraphrases of it, but that is quite powerful. So we have science cor corroborating what we understand scriptures to be. I often say the Bible is the story, and science tells us how the story works. So you say the scripture, do not fear, how? I'll tell you a little bit this morning how not to fear. So science gives us the tips, the tools, the techniques, and the impact of not fearing. So we get understanding. Because if you operate in fear and panic, immediately things go wrong in your brain and your body, which will increase your vulnerability to all kinds of things out there. So you live in a world that is definitely filled with all kinds of things that you don't want to have in your body, but you're going to be exposed anyway. So right now, not only are you sitting in gravitational fields, which is how God's designed the universe, and not only have we done, has research been done showing that those gravitational fields are waves of love energy, and this is science. So science shows that the energy around us, the gravitational forces around us that you are immersed in now, which is pure science, okay, these fields are literally have like moral values, ethical values of love. They call them also fields of love or love waves. So you're made of love. You've got these love waves at your core. You're in love. And inside this, these, this, this gravitational field, which is pretty much waves of love, there are um, the values of humanity that are so core to humanity, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I don't know if you hear what I've just said. Scientists are actually doing the mathematical equations showing that we live in the values of love. We're in it. You're sitting in God's love. And you're made of God's love. And it's in ingredient form. Now, this is very significant for today's current pandemic crisis that we are in. If you are made of love and you're sitting in love, you, when you connect with God, and you're always connected with God, otherwise you wouldn't be alive, but it's how are you connecting with God? What is the quality of connection between you and God? When you quality connect with God, you step into the zone. You step into the love zone. So you're always in love, but now you're tuning in. You're actually immersing and accessing. Because you can be in love, but not access the wisdom of God. But you can be in love, 
and access the wisdom of God which is in ingredient form so yeah I love to always use the Hebrew scripture Hebrews 11 1 which talks about faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not yet seen so substance do you agree means stuff evidence means stuff so you are immersed in gravitational fields that have the values of love and that contain substance and evidence of love think about that for a moment you have access to all the substance and evidence that you need for your future and your past and your present all at the same time now what does that mean okay so god is not bound by space and time because god created space and time and quantum physics teaches us that space and time are very limited and only limited to the physical the stuff that you can see so yes it is this time of the morning and you're going to go home and there's going to be a lunchtime and an evening and tomorrow and next week and that time exists and that time that we understand is only applying to one percent of who you are 99% is beyond space and time. So when we step into the Hebrews 11 one zone, we are stepping into the substance and evidence of the future. Because it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, which means in your time zone, it hasn't, tomorrow hasn't yet come, but in your spiritual zone, tomorrow has already come. I know it's a lot to get your head around, but that means that you play a role in converting the existing substance and evidence that's in ingredient form into the reality of your life. I'm going to say that again because that is an incredibly powerful statement that I've made. You have a love power and a sound mind. You have the power to take stuff that is in a quantum form and turn it into a physical form in your brain and then speak and do. You have the ability to convert mind into matter to produce what you as a unique human being only can do. So, so you have to do that by taking this mind of Christ power that you have, this love power and sound mind, and you think, feel, and choose in response to the events and circumstances. And you can think, feel, and choose in this the zone where you're not tuning into God, and the chances are you'll land up making a toxic decision, okay? Because wisdom doesn't reside without God's tuning into God's wisdom. So now we can step into God, and I love to say this is the Godness zone, the loveness zone, okay? Because it's kind of a bigger word, Godness and loveness, and I don't think we should be bringing God down to our limited understanding. So if we think we understand God, we've missed God completely. So let's give a, a wider, broader understanding, and that's why I like challenging you with hard concepts like quantum and physics where I'm asking you now to understand that you are actually in the present and the past and the future all at once in this zone so now I'm in the zone and I'm accessing the substance and evidence but it's not in complete form it's in ingredient form so the easiest way to understand this the analogy I use is it's a cake you're gonna bake a cake so here is the coronavirus and you have to make some baked cakes decisions about how you're going to handle the situation. You've been quarantined or you haven't been quarantined. You can't go here, you can't go there. Maybe you can't go to work tomorrow. I don't know what's happening in your life, but I can pretty much guess from what's going on around us. So now what are you going to do? What, is the, what are we going to do? We're going to step into the zone. We're going to tune into God's wisdom. We're going to operate in love. We're going to use our love power and our sound mind to choose what cake we're going to bake. And we're going to bake this organic, sustainable, farm-to-table cake. Okay? Not some junk cake. We're not going to bake a modern American processed junk food diet that will kill your brain and body. 
We're not going to make bad decisions. We're going to make, we can do if you want to, we're going to make good decisions. So we're going to step into this zone and we're going to make some good decisions. You see, because you're so powerful, because you have a love, power, and a sound mind, you don't get given the cake. A lot of Christians want the cake. You want God to bake it, choose it, bake it, and give it to you. Boom, give it to me. And when it isn't given to you, you blame God. And then you start slapping on some prayer as a, like as a little band-aid, and then you start blaming the devil. Meanwhile, you're not doing any work. You've got to use your mind. You have a love power and a sound mind. You've got to do some work. You've got to sweat some blood, okay? You've got to do some work. You've got to get in the zone, and you've got to say, God, what is how should I be thinking and feeling and choosing in this moment? What thoughts should I be building? Give me the wisdom to, and, and wrestle with God like Jacob wrestled with God. Get wisdom. Get understanding. It's not a baked cake. It is work. You decide on the cake. You choose the ingredients. You bake the cake. It takes time. It takes effort. Okay? So... That is going to then be how you are going to then turn the situation around in your life or manage this very scary situation that we are currently in. And what's going to happen and is already happening is that the world, for the first time in generations, is finally pulling together. There is people singing on the balconies in Milan so that the people that are alone don't feel alone. There is a, there is a change in, in how humanity is pulling together at last. Not just in isolated camps, but as a humanity across cultures, across belief systems, across countries, across time zones, we are pulling together. And that is us starting as humanity to operate in love. And I am so excited about that. So I'm excited to see love rise because love conquers fear. Perfect love casts out fear. So as we do that, so we get more wisdom. And as we step into wisdom, the scientists can get into their laboratories and they can have this incredible wisdom where we're making good decisions and giving them the right finances and the right kind of support so that they can bring teams together to find the solutions that God has already provided. You see, it's in ingredient form, the substance and evidence of the solution to this crisis. But we as humanity have to operate in love to activate that solution. The solution, we have to step in to pull it out. It's not going to jump out at us. And that requires a totally different way of thinking, a totally different shift in our mindsets. So the next session I'm going to teach on mindsets as well. I'm going to take this deeper and teach specifically on mindsets. But now I want to just take this a little bit deeper and show you what happens in your brain when you land in this zone versus that zone. And I'm going to use my clinical trials that I've been doing recently. I've done lots of research. You can go and read up in my, in my books, these four books I call the toolbox. There's lots of books. There's podcasts. I recommend you subscribe to my podcast. I've just released one last night on stuff I'm going to teach you now, but on how to manage panic and fear, etc. So I'm always teaching this stuff. I'm taking God's science and putting it into digestible formats through my podcast, my media, for you so that you can learn how to do this. What we've also just released is an, uh, not just just released, but a few months back, an app called Switch, which you can get on iTunes and Google Play and all the places where you get apps. And that is exactly how to get your mind under control. Because what we're talking about here, when we're talking about activating a love, power, and a sound mind, we are really talking about renewing the mind. There's the app. I'd suggest you take a photograph of it and download this app. It's filled with the science of how to capture your thoughts, how to renew your mind. And when you are capturing your thoughts and renewing your mind, you are stepping in this zone. You are accessing the substance and evidence that already exists for your future. God isn't waiting for tomorrow to help you because the future already exists. 
you've just got to activate the future by finding those ingredients. So it's a different way of thinking, and you do that by renewing your mind. By renewing your mind, you are tuning into God. Like when the when you when you drive through an area that's not good reception, and your cell phone kind of cuts out. That's what we do when we're living in that zone. But when we in the area where we've got good reception, this is where you get good reception. Okay, this is how you tune into God and you get access to that wisdom. And it's not easy. It's hard. You're going to make lots of mistakes. You're going to fall. But that's part of this. It's part of having that internal sense of peace that if you keep persisting, you'll get that substance and evidence. And you'll make lots of mistakes, but you'll keep going. You don't just give up. Okay. So we're going to talk more about that in the second session. Okay. So when we are in this renewing of our mind state, we are renewing our thinking, feeling, and choosing according to love. That's what renewing of the mind means. So when you're renewing your mind, and there's something interesting here, when you are renewing your mind, or I, I should actually say, as you are living a lifestyle of renewing your mind, what have I just said? Renewing, it's constant. It's alwaysness. As you're living your lifestyle of renewing your mind, you are really in a state of prayer. Okay, so praying is, yes, we come together and we do corporate prayer. Or yes, you have your little bursts of prayer for certain um, situations. And that's good because that's kind of condensed prayer where you're bringing, you collapsing. Uh, in quantum physics, we would call that collapsing a probability wave. So there's a situation right now and you want to collapse. Like we, I left my wallet in the hotel. Very dumb. Okay, but I got kind of distracted last night by working. So now I can collapse the probability so I have an instant prayer. So now I collapse the probability, all kinds of things. Things could go wrong, all kinds of things could go right, but I can collapse the probability, I can have a condensed, intense prayer in that zone. But that doesn't mean that I don't pray in order to get my wallet back, okay? So, but it doesn't, doesn't mean that I now go the rest of the day without praying. No, that is a condensed version. What I do in between is the other version, which is continuous prayer. It says pray continuously. That's a lifestyle of worship. So I don't think that you should think prayer is just in the morning in the closet, in church on Sundays, or when you need God to do something for you. That's an insult. I am confident to do condensed prayer because I do continuous prayer. Did you hear what I just said? I can confidently go and ask God. But if I haven't been praying and I say, oh God, I've lost my wallet or I've left my wallet in the hotel, kind of an insult to God. I'm using God. I don't want to be a God user. I want to be a God worshiper. It's a very different philosophy. Okay? I want to operate in love all the time. So therefore, I have to train myself to pray continuously. So renewing of the mind is praying continuously. Because renewing of the mind is bringing, capturing those thoughts. Bring all thoughts into captivity. And you think about 30,000 thoughts a day. It's a lot of thoughts. So you need to bring at least 30,000 thoughts into captivity every day. So the thought is what you build when you think, feel, and choose. Mind, think, feel, choose equals a thought, which is a memory. So there's a physical consequence of thinking, feeling, choosing. It's the thought. And that thought produces the words and the actions. I have to bring that thought into captivity to make sure that my thinking, feeling, choosing is in alignment with love. And I'm supposed to do that continuously. I'm talking to God. Isn't that prayer? I thought prayer was talking to God. Do you see what I'm saying? If I bring all thoughts into captivity, renewing it to what it's supposed to be in that zone, that means I pray continuously. If I pray continuously, I'm in a state of worship continuously. And in your brain, it changes the energy of your brain, which changes how your body functions. So in my clinical trials that I've just done recently, we looked at people's 
psychological, so it looks at a lot of different things, but I'm going to give it in this context. And if you want to know more, you can go to our site, drleafresearch.com. If you want to partner with us, it would be amazing because we don't get funded by the pharmaceutical companies or anyone who will tell us what research to do. I'm doing renewing of the mind, scientific research. So we want to control the research. So that's just an aside. So if you want to know what's going on with all the research we're doing, because I feed it back to the community for free, through white papers, through all the things that I developed, through podcasts, it's all to help you understand the depth of renewing your mind. So I'm constantly working out how to help you do that. Okay, so essentially in my studies, what my most recent clinical trial, I looked at how our mind changes our brain in a very specific way and how our mind changes our body. So I looked at a person's how a person thinks in, about their thinking. Are you self-regulating? Are you deliberate and intentional about thinking about your thinking, feeling, and choosing? Are you looking at your thought life? Are you capturing your thoughts? How are you seeing your well-being? What is your, how do you see anxiety and depression in your life, etc.? So all the psychological stuff. So lots of different measures that we did with our subjects and our control group and at different time points and quite a complicated design. Okay, but we're looking at all this psychological stuff. Then I wanted to see what is the impact of that on the, your physiology, so your endocrine system and your, your, um, your, your stress axis and the blood and chemicals. and There's all many different things that you can look at. So I, I selected a whole lot. And we looked at the impact of, for example, on cortisol. We're all familiar with cortisol. So if you are in this zone, what does cortisol look like? Versus if you're in this zone, what does cortisol look like? If you're in this zone, what is what is your what does your DNA look like? What happens to your DNA? And if you're in this versus in this zone. So I looked at those kind of things. And then I also looked inside the brain. So your brain responds to your mind. So as you are thinking, feeling, and choosing, which is mind in action, your brain is responding. Your brain is responding on, an, and we're going to look at all these slides that you're seeing flashed up now. We're going to come back and analyze those in a little bit more detail in a moment. But basically, when you are thinking, feeling, and choosing, your brain is responding. So I'm going to put up a slide now that shows like an orange fire through the brain. Okay? So right now, this is happening in your brain. If I had to link you up to this equipment, which is some of the equipment that this has been created with, is the, is the technology I use in my clinical trials. Um, and this is not my a rendition. This is someone. This is from another lab, but it shows very clearly what um, what I'm teaching you now. So, what you're looking at, that orange fire in there, that is your spirit moving through your brain. Isn't that powerful? That is your mind moving through your brain. Your mind is your 99% spiritual part of you. It's how you think, how you feel, and how you choose. And it's moving through your brain. It looks different in every person's brain because you are unique fearfully and wonderfully made. So therefore, your uniqueness is how you uniquely think, feel, and choose. So no one thinks like you. No one feels like you. No one chooses like you. No one does it, builds your 30,000 thoughts a day like you do. And no one can talk to God every 10 seconds like you can. Okay? It's different for each and every one of us. So if we go back to the previous slide just quickly again, what you that orange firing is as it moves through the brain that you're thinking, feeling, and choosing, and your brain is responding on an electrical, chemical, quantum, and um, genetic level. Okay, So it's producing energy. So what we're picking up here, we're using a technology called EEG and QEEG, and it's picking up the energy that your brain is generating in response to your thinking, feeling, and choosing. So it's picking up your energy of thinking, feeling, and choosing, because thinking, feeling, and choosing is energy. 
and energy is a force it's a fundamental force so according to quantum physicists a lot of them are proposing and I agree with this proposition that the most fundamental force is thinking feeling and choosing okay you can't get smaller than that like they go from cells to atoms to subatomic particles they're always looking for the smallest thing the smallest thing is your energy of thinking because it's also the biggest thing because it produces the physical okay, I know that's quite hard to understand but I'm just showing you how you, when we talk about the spiritual force of God we've got science that's helping us to start understand to understand that so I'm showing you that that force that you see going through the brain there is your thinking that thinking is directly connected to God if you weren't connected to God you wouldn't exist so you are using that force translating it through your brain and your body building thoughts and the design of those thoughts is based upon your thinking, feeling, and choosing, and that's producing your words and your actions. That's powerful, okay, very powerful. So when we mess this up by not tuning into God, and all of us do, let me tell you there isn't a human on the planet who doesn't mess up, okay? So we have to give ourselves grace to get um, experienced like when we feel depressed and anxious and that kind of stuff. That is all very normal part of humanity. We'll understand that in a moment. Let's first quickly look at these slides, and then I'm going to wrap this into a, a very familiar story for you to help you understand so make if you can bring back the brain slides please okay first let's look at this one so what you're seeing over here is what you're doing right now this is another rendition of that orange firing brain so here you're seeing as you think feel and choose you're causing structural change in your brain so your thinking feeling and choosing generates that energy that actually switches genes on in your brain your genes are in your genome and in every cell of your body you have your genome and your genes make the stuff of life without genes making stuff you wouldn't be alive so what we see here is your genes making thoughts so your my words and the things you're seeing are growing in your brain like that as a result of your listening to me so as you're listening to me listening means you're thinking feeling and choosing you're using your mind your mind is growing stuff in your brain right now you creating matter out of your mind isn't that amazing you're growing trees in your brain so those little branches they are holding my words they those are thoughts so there's just an easier vision of it and those are the thoughts that we have to capture because those are the thoughts that contain the information and the emotions of what you're about to say and do so everything you say if you want to know what your thoughts are that you need to capture look at what you're saying and what you're doing because that's, that'll track you back to your thought and then the thought then tracks you back to what was the thinking, feeling and choosing behind the thought. Does it need to be captured and renewed? Probably does. So then we do this over here. So now let's look at the images of the head, what we call head maps, those little heads that you saw coming up. We're going to look at those again now. That's called a, we've used QEEG, which is a technology that takes that energy, your thinking, feeling, choosing energy and converts it in, it's, it's read by, the energy is read by a machine okay and then it's put through a computer and we can make these little images so you're looking at heads the little pointy top at the top is the nose and the two things on the sides are the ears okay so you're looking at sort of from top down you're looking at the nose sticking up in the two ears you get that okay so what we did was the study went over six months so we had day one day 21 and day 63 so in look and then what we've got there are five different waveforms and there's also another one called gamma I won't show you that right now I'll show you in a moment those names theta delta delta theta alpha beta and high high beta and gamma those are just the names that we use to describe the energy 
So we, can, we see groups of energy in the brain. And we see all of those are always operating, but certain operate more than, um, than others that's when you do certain activities. So for example, when you were singing earlier on, and you were collectively worshiping God, and you were having one of those condensed moments of worship and prayer, you would have had a ton of activity in the second head. Can you see there? It says theta. You would have had a lot of theta energy going through your brains because that energy over there really taps into, it starts opening the door into your spiritual connection with God, your spiritual nature. It's who, what's inside of you, the depth of who you are. It's also known as the healing wave. So that's why when people very often, when they're in a state of worship and they're connecting so deeply to God, we'll see high levels of theta, high levels of delta, high, high levels of alpha, and then you'll see beta and high beta dropping, and gamma actually, funny enough, which is the highest frequency, starts increasing um, very much. So we have a certain pattern um, of when people are in a high state of a spiritual experience and that healing wave moves through the entire body and that's often when the miracles are happening in our bodies. And time is something that God is in control of, so sometimes that time is over extended periods, sometimes it's condensed, sometimes we, it's God's wisdom, why God does what God does, we don't question. But sometimes there's an instant miracle and sometimes there's that takes a bit of time. Either way, that when we get into that state, we are allowing the, the power of God to move through our body properly. What I have just described is a pattern of love in our brain. So when we, we wired for love, when we operate in this wisdom, we generate a lot of the, um, of a lot of the, the high, that description. So a lot of the theta, a lot of um, the first four, the first three we're going to have a lot of, and then we're going to have less of the last two. Okay, so now... What in this particular brain, what we're looking at here is actually a problematic brain. So what we're seeing on day one is that this particular person has got a lot of dark blue, which means that they've got a lot of low functioning. They're not functioning very well at all. They're kind of almost switched off. This is like someone who's seriously depressed and who's not sleeping, very lethargic, very flat. Just life is just too much, just want to give up. Um, from the story of this person because we didn't uh, we don't just look I don't just look at you as a number I look at your most importantly your story so we spent most of this research the biggest part of the evaluation was looking at the person's story the unique context of the person in their life where they're at and this person that was their story their relationships work everything they were just depressed giving up life was just too much that is also why they chose to get in the study um, because they actually just couldn't go on they, they were giving up on life basically okay so these people within what I did in my study was I taught mind management I taught and that's the fancy word for bringing all thoughts into captivity and renewing the mind not every now and then but every 10 seconds so I developed over these years 38 years of research I have developed techniques on how to do that that's what I've put in my books and that's what's in the switch app these people in the study did the switch app switch as in S-W-R-T-C-H, okay? They did the switchback app. I taught them in via technology, with it's, it's all, they didn't see me personally, but via technology, I taught them, like it's audio driven, so there's audio, they listen to me, walk through these different steps, there's five steps you do every day, which is based on the scientific research, etc. And I, they basically followed that sequence, five steps every day, 
for 21 days. Why 21 days? It takes 21 days to break down a toxic thought and build a healthy replacement thought. It takes another, and then you'll see it goes to day 63, the study, because it takes 63 days to build a habit. So it takes 21 days to build the new way of thinking, but 63, so another 42, 63 in total to build a habit. Habits do not build over 21 days. Habits build in cycles of 21. At least three cycles is required to build a habit. A habit is something that you then will do automatically. Okay? And every time you do it, you enhance the skill of that habit. You make it stronger. Okay. So what we see here in terms when you see gray, gray means it's the balance, the brain is becoming more balanced. I don't like to use the word normal because there is no normal brain. We're all crazy. We're all unique. We're all individual. So we cannot, and Yale just brought out a study last year, it's showing that there is no normal brain. And there's unfortunately a huge move currently in the scientific world, there has been for 30 years, to try and find a normal brain and to then measure you against a normal brain until if you don't have a normal brain, then you have got mental, you're mentally ill, which is not, it's a lie. It's not even science. It's complete misapplication of scientific study. But that's another discussion I don't have time to go into now. Um, so this person was very depressed, as I said. They did the app, the Switch app, for 21 days, for three weeks, on their own, at home, on their phone. Okay, They didn't see me personally, and I'm stressing this because people think, oh, well, it's okay if I come and have therapy with you. I don't give therapy anymore. Okay, I do this around the world. That's why I take this stuff and I teach it. Teach it. And therapy, it, it put it into this format that you can learn to do it every day. My reasoning is that I, I'm not anti-therapy. I'm not anti-coaches. I'm anti-overusing. A, a therapist and a coach and you becoming dependent because then you don't take responsibility. I'm also anti-coaches and therapists and counselors thinking they can fix other people. You can't fix anyone. That's a tremendous amount of pride. If you think you understand someone else's experience, you don't. Unless you, I can never claim to understand your experience. All I can do is be by your side, okay? So that's why I want to teach, and also let's say you're going for therapy and counseling, Maybe that's once a week. What do you do the other seven, 24 7 other days, the rest of the time? You have to know how to manage your own mind. You need a skill. You, that's why you need to learn how to pray continuously. My app teaches you how to pray continuously. So it's in, there's the information's in, in my books as well. We've, everything in my books is going into the app, and I've got a new book that's come, that is going in next month for um, editing, and will be released early next year. And I'm updating the app all the time, and I'm updating the research, and it's all on this new information. In the meantime, you can access and use the app to learn how to pray continuously. Because the neuroscience shows us, and that's my research plus other people's research, is that you can pray, you are able to every 10 seconds control how you're thinking, feeling, and choosing. That's how your brain is designed. You're wired for love. You are wired to control your thinking every 10 seconds. Isn't that fantastic? Okay, so based on that, by day 21, that blue, which indicates depression, has gone. This person is sleeping. This person said they are no longer depressed. They have little bouts of depression, but they now know how to manage the depression. They have managed to work out that to understand that depression is an emotional warning signal, not an illness. If you bipolar, if you've had a diagnosis of bipolar depression or depression or schizophrenia or anxiety, those are not illnesses. 
they actually can't diagnose that's the wrong model okay you uh, anxiety uh, depression all these things these are emotional warning signals that something is going on in your life that you need to address there's a reason behind the depression the depression is the big umbrella what is underneath the umbrella and you have to do work to face that so just diagnosing it and dragging it is not what we are supposed to do it damages the brain and for 30 years we've been told to do that and for 30 years it's caused a tremendous problem so now we have this thing that people mental ill health is on the rise it's not what is mental health always been a problem okay we always make bad decisions humans always doing it okay so the what's on the rise mismanagement of mind guys we don't renew our minds anymore we just drag them and I think the scriptures say bring all thoughts into captivity not drag all thoughts into captivity you can't numb your brain and hope to deal with your issues. And those drugs numb your brain. They don't deal with the issue. And you have to deal with the issue. So what we did in my app was we, and in the clinical trial, is it teaches you to say, okay, you're depressed. Let's find out why. Let's find the underlying cause and let's reconceptualize it. So let's see it from another angle. Not suppress it because it's part of your story. Maybe you were raped. You're not going to suppress that. Maybe you're really battling financially. Maybe there's just too much going on in your life and too many demands and it's just over and you don't have a strategy whatever there's a reason so once you know the reason so if you embrace the depression to process the depression to reconceptualize the depression you now say I was depressed because of X Y and Z and now I have a strategy in place to start managing it and then you know there's going to be times where you go up and down give yourself permission to feel these emotions it's a part of a normal human experience in fact you will not learn anything about yourself if you think you can be an avatar walking around with a fat smile on your face the whole time you ain't no avatar you are a brilliant human with depth of emotion and even jesus got depressed and don't tell me i'm being sacrilegious he did in the garden and I want to explain that to you so did David let's get to the garden of Gethsemane I'm going to end with that story very quickly and pick it up at the beginning of the next session Jesus shows us exactly how we are supposed to function Mac if you can please bring that slide the head maps back up I'm going to use the science and the garden of Gethsemane at the same time and show you some very powerful analogy that person at day 21 by getting in the garden started changing their pattern of depression by day 63 it was sustained they now have a daily mind management plan which is bringing all thoughts into captivity and renewing the mind as they go through the day so they sustain their ability to process their ability to have insight and self-awareness directed self-regulation um, is increasing all the time with by the increase that you see in the gray color and the the green colors that shows that they are thinking very insightfully the little bursts of red at the back of the brain are showing that there's tremendous insight that is starting to develop there's management in place there's intelligence there's learning taking place this person is increasing their intelligence it's sustained at six months we did the follow-up the same pattern even better and the person's story went from I can't cope to I am not depressed I am sleeping I am coping but this person said it was very difficult they still cry they still freak out in the love zone they still sweat blood but they now have a process of management so now when they cry or now when they feel depressed the brain doesn't go crazy anymore because they embrace 
they don't suppress. You suppress, you're going to damage your brain, you're going to damage your body. This person at day, at day one had high levels of cortisol, low levels of DHEA. That's a dangerous pattern for your heart. That lowers your immunity. They had their whole HPA axis, their whole, um, their whole um, stress axis, which works for you, was working against them. So all the measures we took in the blood were, were bad. For, were, were showing that their body was in tremendous risk for uh, immune issues, so their immune system had dropped, their heart was at risk, so, and that person was also quite panicky. They, were so, they, they weren't um, anxious that they were on edge like this. They had got so anxious that they'd gone flat. So the immune system had gone flat. That, that kind of pattern is a walking um, disaster zone when it comes to increased vulnerability to disease. When you're in a total state of non-mind management, you drop your immune system's function to fight because we're exposed to viruses all the time. They're in the air, we're breathing them in, they're in our body, but our immune systems are fighting most things most of the time. How do we drop our immunity? Obviously by wrong diet, exercise, chemicals, and when we don't understand some kind of strong virus and we don't know how to manage it, the yes, that can, but you can increase your immunity. You can increase your immunity, obviously, through the standard things that the WHO and the CDC are telling us you must do that. There are certain foods that boost your immunity, but the most powerful part is to take that 99% mind and get it under control. And that builds your immune system immediately. So we, that's why you'll see that kind of sustainable pattern happening. So Jesus got in the garden and Jesus showed us that we need to embrace. Jesus sweated blood. And physiologically to sweat blood, you have to be in an extreme state of depression, anxiety, and, and Jesus took all the woes of the world on him. So obviously, everything you can experience, which means you experience depression, anxiety, psychotic breaks, you name it, all these words that we have for the stuff that we go through as humans, Jesus took it all. So of course, Jesus' whole body reacted. So Jesus saying, listen guys, I've done it. I got in the garden to demonstrate what you need to do, get in the garden. Don't suppress it, don't hide it, which is what we're telling the world, even the church is telling the world. Band-aid pray, pass the buck pray. Oh God, fix this. And then you think that that's it. Now you sit waiting and wonder why you're not healed. No, get in the garden, cry, sweat blood. Because when you sweat blood, you are facing your issues and it will get worse before it gets better. Okay, because you're gonna get on the cross. It's kind of sore to get on the cross. There's a lot of pain. It also takes time. Jesus was in the garden for a period of time, on the cross for a period of time, and then Jesus rose after a period of time. There's time involved. I don't know how long it's going to take. All I'm telling you is that there is time involved, and you have to get in the garden and freak out in the love zone because that is where you cry, shout, scream, do whatever it is that you need to do, but you are embracing and you are processing, you're getting it on the cross because you will rise again. And then you'll get knocked down again, and then you will get back in the garden, and you will continue that process, and that is a lifestyle of prayer. That is how you control things like this panic that is happening with the coronavirus. And if you do get it, and you do get sick, well then we're gonna believe that that vaccine is gonna be developed, and that your immune system is gonna build, so while you're at home in quarantine, or you're on the ventilator, we are believing that you're, that's the condensed prayer that we need to pray, where we pray the condensed prayer that that ventilator will work against that fibrosis in the lungs or whatever it may be that we can get really specific are you getting what I'm saying and through it all despite everything we still rejoice rejoice despite the circumstances go read some of those funny memes they are hilarious there's even toilet roll earrings that you can get now so there we go thank you so much God bless you see you in the next session